I don't know, how was your week this week? Was it a good week? How many of you had a rough week? Yeah, I see those hands. <laughs> when I have rough weeks, I like to, um, I like to look up comedians and uh, look up some jokes just to have a laugh. And uh, did you know that there's a comedy festival in Edinburgh every year? I'm not sure if they had it last year, but every year they have a joke of the year, the one that kind of stands above all the rest. And so I just have a few of them to start off with, in case you had a rough week. Um, in 2018, the joke was this. Working at the job center has to be a tense job, knowing that if you get fired, you still have to come in the next day. <laughs> or 2016, it was my dad suggested that I register for a donor card. He's a man after my own heart. Or 2015, some of you might appreciate this one, I deleted all the German names off my phone. Now it's Hans Free. <laughs> 2009, it was this one, hedgehogs. Why can't they just share the hedge? <laughs> You'll think about that one. The last one, 2009, the joke was, I'm sure wherever my dad is, he's looking down on us. He's not dead, he's just very condescending. Lately, I've been watching um, reruns of Bob Mortimer on Would I Lie to You? It's a British comedy TV show. Every week they have to, uh, two teams and they tell a lie or a truth and you have to figure out which one it is and they have to present it very convincingly. And uh, sometimes I just need to hear a different perspective on life. I just need to change maybe an attitude or I'm frustrated with something and so I like to listen to people that have a different way of thinking. Let me ask you, what's on your mind right now? Stop. Think. Is it what you're going to have for lunch? Is it something about a problem that you're facing, how to figure it out? Um, what about how to save a broken relationship? What we're thinking about can always just, just goes around and round and round. And over the years, I've heard people say, you know, there's no new thoughts to think. What's, what's been thought is... What you think you think, someone has thought before somewhere in some time. There's not anything new. I like to think that I can think an original thought, something that's unique to me, but how do I know for sure? You know, I, I just never quite know. And I, I'm convinced sometimes that I don't even know how much of other people's thoughts are in our head day to day. The things that we've read, the things that we've experienced, the things that we remember for me. You know, I think about what my elementary school teacher said 48 years ago. It's still in my head. I, uh, I watch the thought-provoking movie, and then for the next three days, I'm thinking about this movie. It's like it got in my head somehow. How about you? Do you carry yourself a certain way because of an article you read in a magazine or on a flight ma uh, magazine that when, when you're traveling? Or do you ever be deeply affected by a novel that you read? It just, it just got into your head so much that your, your emotions are now all kind of afraid, or you're, you're, you're thinking and pondering about the implications of this novel. I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure at least one of my children was named after the main character of a historical fiction my wife was reading at the time. Um, you know, our minds are, are often filled with other people's thoughts and other people's writings and other people's perspectives. Um, the magazines we read, the TVs we watch, the news programs, the Facebook, the Twitters, all of these things 
information is just coming at us all the time, and it's filling our minds. Husbands, let me ask you a question. When you married your sweetie, you probably thought that you and her were going to make a wonderful home together, just the two of you. But then you realized that you married three people because her dad is still in her mind. You know, that's not the way my dad would have done that. Or, uh, you know, well, my dad always watches the car every weekend. Why don't you? What? Or, uh, you know, my dad said anything worth doing well, you know, doing is worth doing well. You know, I think you can do better. Well, I just thought I married my wife. But he's stuck in her head, and he keeps coming out at at the right moments, I guess. I'm just glad that my daughter now gets to say that to her husband about me. (laughs) So the passage we're looking at today comes out of Philippians chapter 4. I'm only looking at two verses. And uh, if you wouldn't mind turning there with me in your Bibles, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Paul is going to tell us how to help refocus our minds, how to take back control of our minds that are so scattered sometimes. And and just it's all over the map. There's so much stuff in our minds that we're thinking about all day long. So he says, finally, brothers and sisters, I'll add, whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are right, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely or of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's any praise, think. Or we could say meditate on these things. So when Paul says finally, it's like he's coming to the conclusion of his letter. He's wanting to wrap things up. He wants to to leave one more impactful statement for, for the church in Philippi to read. And so he understood that the church in Philippi was under a lot of stress. They had a lot of false teachers coming through. They had prophets that were there for personal gain. They were making money off of their prophecies. They were influencing the church. There was people coming in with legalistic views, trying to influence how they think and make them do stuff that they really weren't supposed to do. And so Paul is saying, I have a way for you to determine what is true and what is not. All this questionable information, competing demands, various religious interlopers competing for their attention. He says, we've got to focus on the fundamentals. We've got to focus on the truth. So how can we combat all the worthless messages and inane information thrown at us during the day? Paul says you got to start with your thinking. you got to get back to the basics of of mind controlling your own thoughts and your own minds because he knows how we think can determine our emotions and our choices and dramatically affect our relationships and our beliefs about ourselves and our future and our confidence. It all starts with our thinking. This is a bit of a theme with Paul. 2 Corinthians 10, 13, he says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to obey Christ. Romans 12, verse 2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the what? Renewing of of your mind. He says that the mind is, is, is so important that if we don't have a, a grasp on our own thinking and our own thought patterns, we can be easily led, led astray and, and be uh, led to destruction. 
Renewing our mind, you can prove what is good and pleasing and perfect will of God. I always like this, um, this would I lie to you, because I, I'm trying to guess. Is he telling the truth? Is he telling a lie? Like, nobody quite can tell. He's such a fantastic storyteller. And sometimes we don't know the truth. We need help to know what the truth is. And so Paul is saying, well, I've got a strategy for you. He says, think about these things. Whatever is true. How do you know what's true? Today, it's hard to tell what's true. Jesus said in, in John 18, he was actually about to be um, crucified. And this was kind of his last chance at avoiding crucifixion. He's standing before the Roman governor, Pilate, and this is what he says to Pilate while he's being interviewed as to whether he will be crucified or, or not. He says, to this end I was born, and for this cause I came into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. And everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And then Pilate asked this famous question. In Latin, it is quid est veritas, which means what is truth? The same question people ask every day. All throughout the generation, what is truth? John 14, 5, Thomas looked at Jesus and said, Lord, we don't know where you're going, and we, how do we know the way? And Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So to think about the things that are actually true, we have to start with Jesus. He has to be at the center of our thoughts and our, and our mind because we have to judge everything according, uh, through the filter of Jesus who can reveal to us the truth. He says, uh, I, I look at uh, the, the other philosophers of the day. Uh, Frederick Nietzsche says, um, God is dead. The truth is, the tomb is empty. <laughs> we can walk to the tomb and say, no God here. Jesus rose from the dead. He's still alive and well. We can look at those people that say, God is nowhere, but I know that he's everywhere because my prayers get answered all the time. God's been very busy. And uh, even through this week, we had a great week with the kids. And this is moving to me. Just seeing this, this, this symbol of new life, of someone who was taken out of the kingdom of darkness and put into God's kingdom, been born again. This is truth. Karl Marx can think that religion is the opiate of the masses, but the truth is he never met Jesus who forgives his sin, who gives him purpose in life, who frees people from bondage, the power of the resurrection. That's the truth. So we don't fill our minds with speculation and fighting and criticism and arguing, but we put our minds centering on what is true. So he says, whatever things are honest, free of deceit, free of untruthfulness, sincere, authentic, genuine. Sometimes we can't quite figure out what is true, but instead we can think always the best of other people. We can think good things about people when we can't figure out, is this true, is this right? You can still be honorable. You don't have to give in to critical thinking and and demeaning thoughts. He says whatever things are right or just. Sometimes the right thing to do is the hard thing to do. Sometimes it's tough to do the right thing, to think the right way. But we have the power of God behind us to help. We act justly towards others. It can be costly, but our character is on the line. How many times that you had an opportunity to do what was right, and you chose not to, and you regretted it afterwards, thinking, I should have stopped. 
I should have helped. I should have made that phone call. Paul is saying if we have our mind thinking about what is honest and right, we will take action, not just think. What, what about things that are lovely? Can you remember the last time you had a lovely evening? That was such a lovely evening. Or, uh, uh, you know, when you have a lovely conversation with friends, it's just an amazing time together. It's been a long time where you just sit and enjoy the company of other people. And it's even great when you get to go out to a restaurant and have a lovely meal and the other person pays for it. It's even better. <laughs> it's just a lovely evening. But what's the opposite of lovely? You know, unsatisfying, unwelcome, average, less than memorable, disappointing. Don't think about those things. Paul is saying we can lift our minds higher than the mundane, the average, the ordinary. We can think about what's lovely and what's right and what's honest and also what things are of good report. You know, as opposed to uh, criticisms or jealousies or demeaning judgmental things, we can think about think the best of other people. Think about someone's generosity towards others, someone's sacrifice or offer to put others first, someone's success in impacting other people's lives. Th this is what is... Um, commendable, of good report, helping the needy, encouraging the downtrodden, lifting those up that are, that, are, that are down and frustrated with life. Those things are of good report. How about if there's any virtue? Do you know what virtue means? It's, um, it's like living a principled life. Virtue is honesty, courage, compassion, generosity, fidelity, integrity, fairness, self-control, you know, personal sacrifice, always uh, keeping your word. These are virtuous things. Showing up when you say you're going to show up. Being a faithful person. Think about these things. What, how, what kind of character do I want to have? What do I want my kids to see in me when they grow up? What example? Uh, I want to get in their heads in the right way. Finishing what you start. Picking up after yourself. Being kind to others. Those kinds of things are what we need to keep our mind on. And he says, if there's any praise, think on these things. You have a strong foundation. So all of these things that are coming at us all the time, if we can focus on what is right and true, just, commendable, praiseworthy, honest, lovely, it begins to shape our character, who we are from the inside out. But the problem is we face so many lies and deceit and distractions outside, but there's a ton of stuff on the inside, too that needs to be addressed by the truth. Have you ever thought that you're too stupid to amount to much, or were you told that? It's not true. Do you think you cannot compete with all the rich and influential people that are around? Well, that's not true either. Or that you can never trust another man because all men will hurt you? It's not true. Or the world is a scary place, so you have to always be on your guard and suspicious of everything. Well, these things are on the inside of us. Conflict, some people, they, they avoid conflict at all costs because they think it always destroys relationships. Well, that's not true either. Sometimes conflict brings you closer together, works out things that needed to be worked out a long time ago. And you actually can breathe now and not be afraid anymore because you, you had the conflict, you survived, and you're stronger, and you're better together. Today, people like to believe if it feels right, then it must be true. Another lie actually. Emotions are deceiving. We check with Jesus, who is truth. So when our heart and our mind are ready for his presence, there won't be much room left for the world's influence. I, what Paul is saying is if you fill your mind up with these things, there's not going to be much room left for other stuff, all the deceitful stuff, the lies, the, the pressures that the world wants to offer. So if it is true, 
What the self-help gurus say, that you become what you think about. A lot of people say that. It seems to be a kind of a common mantra. With the, you can buy tons of books, self-help books. Think right and you will do right. Think right and you can think about this. And you'll think about being rich all day long and you'll end up being rich. It's like you can will yourself to accomplish things. Well, you know, Paul is saying there are some things to think about all day long. It's not about the riches that are fleeting. It's about the character that he wants to see in your life. Philippians 4.9, he continues. He says, do those things which you have also learned and received and heard and seen in me. And the God of grace, the God of peace will be with you. I like what Paul says. He's not just teaching theoretical stuff. He is saying practically, okay, you've seen us. You've watched us. You've seen how we live. You've seen how we react. Do this. <laughs> Be like me, because I'm trying to be like Jesus. So this past week, two of our church folks were at the activity center. They were at the basketball time, and um, the next day, one of the two people came into my office and said, you have to hear what happened. They go, yes, I do. <laughs> Sit down and come in and share it with Pastor Neil. So we, Pastor Neil and I listened, and and um, as they were in the, the gym, uh, a fellow walked in to the gym. He was dressed in a um, correctional officer's uniform. And he said, can I come in and pray in the church? And they said, well, it's kind of closed. We're in basketball. Um, but, you know, you can come back during the day, and I'm sure one of the pastors would love to, to help you out. And he well... He says, I, I, I drive here every night uh, after work, and I pray in the parking lot. And uh, I just thought maybe I could come and pray inside the church. He says, yeah, no, you can. In fact, come on Sunday, too. Come during the week when the offices are open. And he says, okay. So he started to leave, and the, the other person said, we should go pray for him. And so they chased him down. I think he started driving away, you know. <laughs> Hello. Uh, yes. <laughs> can we pray for you? And uh, he stopped and said, yes. And as they prayed for him, he started to weep. And uh, they shared the gospel with him. They invited him to come back. See, that's what happens when you have the things of mind, God in mind. That's what happens when you're thinking God things. You're thinking opportunity. You're thinking blessing. You're thinking reaching out. You're thinking, I have, I've got the truth in me, and I need to share it with this person who clearly is searching for God. And and one of the people, that, the, the person that spoke to me said, you know, I used to go to a church near where I lived and used to pray in the parking lot too. We don't know what God's doing around us. He's bringing people to our parking lot who come to pray. Are we, if we've got the things of mind, of God in mind, then we'll notice those opportunities. We'll notice those people. We'll see the people sitting alone that need to, to have a word of encouragement or someone to pray with them. We'll... We'll see people that need Jesus all the time when we have the, the mind of God working in us. It's, it's, it's about not just these, these nine items. It's about looking like Jesus, acting like Jesus, helping others to find Jesus because that's the things that will last. Does your mind have room for Jesus? Or is it filled with cat videos? Stock market updates. The latest fashions. Lyrics to the top 25 billboard songs, Facebook posts, conspiracy theories. You know, I think it's sad when Jesus wants to 
to, to move us and have an impact, an eternal impact in somebody's life, our minds are preoccupied. We're mentally unavailable for Jesus. He can't get through the noise and the clutter that's in our mind. Paul is saying, think on these things, because then you'll be available. Every time the Spirit wants to move and use you and impact others through your life, you will be ready to go. You will have the right word of encouragement to say. You will show grace and peace to others that need to have it. When Jesus says, I am the truth, it means the closer you get to Jesus, the more you're going to know about truth. The, the more you'll be able to identify the lies and the deceit and be able to reject them because you know the truth. The truth is in you. In fact, Jesus says, I'm going to send you the spirit of truth. John 14, 6, I will pray to the Father. And he will give you another comforter that he may be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him, for he dwells within you, and he will be in you. In John 16, 13, he says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Do you need to know the truth? Are you in a difficult situation? You don't know where to turn? You don't know what the answer is? You don't know where to go? You have the truth in you to guide you, to give you the direction you need to go. In 1 John 4, 6, we are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. He will show us. So when Paul is saying, think on these things, think about the truth, what is true, what is right. He's saying, get, get your mind so focused that you are ready to go, ready to move whenever God is ready to act through you. So when we immerse ourselves in the time-tested, God-breathed truth and ask the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, he begins to shape us and mold us and help us to dispel the untruths that have been cluttering our mind for years. Ephesians 5.25 is one of my dad's favorite verses. I've heard him quote it many times. He just says, Christ loved the church and gave himself for it so that we might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word that he might present to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any such things, but that it should be holy and without blemish. I like that phrase, and if you have a Bible, just underline washing of water by the word, because the more you're in the word, the more your mind will be washed. I, I want to say this carefully. I don't want to say that we should be brainwashed. I just think we should be mind-washed. By letting the word of God wash out all of the junk, the clutter that's in our minds, the lies, the deceit, the disruptions that have been put in there by people year after year after year. Let our minds be cleansed by the washing of the water through the word in us. God's word will help us to have the mind of Christ. So what or who do you allow to influence your thoughts? What's your favorite TV program that you've been binging on? Can you hardly wait to get back to the next season? What is influencing your thinking? I can tell you that the, the TV shows have progressively been becoming more and more and more, or maybe I should say farther and farther and farther away from what God wants for us. There's very, very little um, what we call Christian morality anymore in the media, any, in any of the media. This, this bright light that's come on in the YouTube. Um, Brad, what is it called? The movie? The TV? The Chosen. The Chosen. Okay, it's kind of like a bright light in the midst of a lot of stuff on TV because it's reviewing the whole life of Christ with the disciples. And it's not all 
you know, 100% word for word, but it gives you the big picture of, of what you see. <laughs> the difference Christ made has really opened my eyes to a lot of things. I really appreciate the effort that's gone into that. Ask yourself if what you're watching is bringing you closer to God or driving you farther from him. Ask yourself if what I'm hearing actually verified truth. Who are these so-called experts that keep talking about things that you're reading about? Is it true? Is it helping you to pray for your friends more? Is it helping you to share your faith better? Is it helping you to, to focus on eternal things more? Or is it, at the end of the day, you wasted your brain with a ton of stuff that doesn't matter? Time is short, I believe. I, I, I'm not a prophet to predict that Christ is coming back during my lifetime, but I know I'm going to see him sooner than other people. And uh, I want to be ready. I want to be ready to go. I want to be busy with what God wants for my life. I want to be busy doing his work. There's an Israeli pastor that I read this past week, his newsletter, his name's Amir uh, Shafar, <laughs> Shafari. He writes, Satan has wedged his foot into the church so that rather than sharing the truth of salvation found in the gospel of Christ, we are attacking each other about vaccinations and masks and shutdowns. As Christians fill up social media comment sections with vitriol towards one another, the devil sits back and laughs. After Jesus had humbly washed the feet of his disciples, he said to them, by this we'll all know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. What are we spending our time doing? What are we focusing our mind on? American self-help author Napoleon Hill, maybe some of you know the name, he wrote a book that, uh, entitled Think and Grow Rich. He published it in 1937. He said, whatever the mind of man can conceive and believe it can achieve. They have a lot of these cute sayings. <laughs> a lot of mantras that self-help people and, and I, I think, sure, keep your mind focused on positive things and uh, things that are helpful, but he was a forerunner to the self-help book industry. What he was actually most successful at doing over his lifetime was selling self-help books to people who were looking to get rich. So I did a little bit of research, and he failed at marriage three times. He failed at every company he started. He failed at pass, passing uh, law. He called himself a lawyer, but he actually wasn't. He claimed that he had interviewed every single important person uh, alive during his lifetime. Presidents, billionaires, millionaires, he said he interviewed them all. And uh, at his death, <laughs> the quote is, he was the most famous con man you've never heard of. <laughs> he was accused of fraud, his wild claims of personally interviewing all these people was debunked, as was his claim to be an attorney. Yet, people still read his books, listen to his tapes, and think that he is an important guru when he was never successful at anything he did but write books for those that want to get rich. And uh, look him up. <laughs> so many people have this insatiable need to be famous and rich that that's all they think about. They will pursue these, two, uh, pursue these two things at the cost of everything else truly important in life. Napoleon Hill would do anything, including fraud and deceit, to achieve what they thought they deserved. So what is the truth? 
Paul says, if you put the washing of the water of the word into your mind, it says this in 1 Timothy 6, 9. Those who desire to be rich fall into the temptation and a snare and into many foolish, harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil which, for which some have strayed from the faith and their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. You put Hill's book up there and you put 1 Timothy up there. Which one are you going to base your life on. You've got the truth and you've got the world's perspectives. You have to choose. Paul says you can't have it both ways. You can't be a devoted follower of Jesus and a devoted follower of the world's values at the same time. In Christ's kingdom, half-hearted followers and double-minded people need not apply. It doesn't work. Paul says, get your mind straightened out. Focus on the important things and everything will... What is that verse? Matthew 6, How about we just say that together? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. We just keep being reminded of the things we already know that we tend to forget. So I love the story of our parking lot. I, I think we should bless our parking lot for all the people God's going to be bringing over the coming years that we can walk out there and say, hey, can I pray for you? And we're going to have our church filled with people that are seeking God and don't know how to find him unless his people share the truth with them. Are you a single-minded, all-in, fully committed follower of the truth, the way, and the life? Have you been walking on, the, on a tightrope, trying to balance the world's ways and God's ways, trying to be a good Christian but also a successful person? And God says, you've got to choose. You be a faithful Christian, I will make you a successful person. Get the priorities in the right place, and everything's going to be just fine. We do have a place of prayer at the front here. If you want to pray at the end or just say, I've been slipping. I've been following the wrong road. I just need, I just need prayer. You could come and sit in the front pew, and one of our elders or staff will be there to pray with you. We have a closing song. I just want us to face the truth today and see what God can do in an amazing thing through his people. Let me have a prayer time, and then we're going to stand and sing our final song. Father God, every morning we come in here as a church to worship you. On Sundays, we stand before the truth who searches our heart, who knows if there's any wicked way in us. And if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us and to lead us in the way of righteousness. Father, we confess that we've not always been true to our calling, that we've not always been true to and faithful to what uh, we've, we've committed to, that we sometimes slip and fail. And we need your strength. We need your spirit to infuse us with his power. And Father God, guide us as we live a life worthy of our calling. Don't let us be half-hearted or double-minded. Father, give us that strength to be single-minded and full, fully-fledged followers of you each day. And let's see the world change because of it. Pray in Christ's name. Amen.